Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 245 of Cyclocross Radio. Apologies for getting this one out a little late. We we actually, we loved recording this episode so much, we did it twice. The, the problem was the first time we had some technical difficulties, had to come back the next day, do it again. That really put us on our heels because then we had Thanksgiving and now it's Friday night and I am getting this out to you. So we have we have some races that are a little bit farther in the rear view mirror that we're talking about, including the North Carolina Grand Prix, also uh, Merck's Plus, and then the Cokeside World's Cup. But still a great conversation with Michael and with Zach. We are once again brought to you by Hammerhead and the Carew 2. Hammerhead Carew 2, as you've heard me talk about before, is a next-generation cycling computer that brings the power of advanced GPS navigation and intuitive software right to your handlebars. You know, I, I, I come from older cycling computers, so this was just revolutionary for me to see it the first time and use it, but the data is clear. It has a high-res, full-color, smartphone-like screen. Touchscreen display is beautiful, it's responsive, gives you on-the-go flexibility, and it's even water and scratch resistant. For a limited time, Hammerhead has an incredible deal. Buy a crew two at hammerhead.io slash tradeup and get up to $170 when you trade in your current cycling computer. That's a rebate of up to $170 when you trade up to a Karoo 2 from Hammerhead. This offer, it's not going to last long. It's available at hammerhead.io slash trade up. So don't wait to trade in and trade up to a Karoo 2 today and get up to $170 off your purchase. You can also still use the code CXRADIO. Get yourself a complimentary heart rate monitor when you purchase. So head on over hammerhead.io slash trade up. Trade in your old computer, get a brand new Karoo 2. Also use that CX Radio code and you'll get your heart rate monitor on us. Enough chatting up front. Let's get chatting in the actual episode. It's episode 245 of Cyclocross Radio with Zach and with Michael. We're talking about Merck's Blast. We're talking about NCGP. We're talking about Coke Cider. And we're doing all that right now. We are back in the media pit to talk about the Grand Prix of North Carolina and Merck's Blast, and then also the World Cup that happened in Cokesida. But before we get to any of that, Michael, how's it going? Well, Bill, I'm feeling a little bit odd. Do you, I have like an extreme case. You know, I'm going to get to my pun in a minute, but I have an extreme case of deja vu. Oh, really? Did we, did we, I feel like we did this episode already. What I wanted to say, and and I didn't, I was going to say that we are back. And what I should have said is that we are back to back. Back again. Zach, did you hit record, Zach? Yes, Michael. It's it's recording. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. On with the show. Bill, I'm feeling cozy. And let me tell you why I'm feeling cozy, Bill. Because 
it's fall has arrived in in new orleans i got my slippers on i got my flannel uh it was chilly so we decided to pull out the dutch oven and whipped up a batch of hot apple coke cider (laughs) michael i i have to say even even let me if i do this right when it comes to puns even your worst is best. <laughs> Let's start in North Carolina. <laughs> oh man, I'm really I'm really upset that I totally blew it with my recording cuz we are just going to we're skipping over Minnesota State Championships corner, but I think we all agree that we're going to try to to get to the point. We talked about t-shirt guy, uh T-shirt guy had a had a tough day at the Minnesota State Championships, but anyway, we'll just go to domestic nook, North Carolina Grand Prix. Uh, we had some racing. Oh yeah, I that's right. I had that whole Brian Bosworth uh, tangent. I went on. Oh, we're gonna have to... the no one understood, so it's all right. That it was, was a good great. bit. It, we were yeah, that we one's lost. Gotten... All right. Well, yeah. we've got a few extra minutes in the show, so maybe we can still do some of the other bits that we came up with uh, over the course of the show that uh, kind of went in the memory hole. So so basically, Michael and I recorded, Zach didn't. So we had two out of the three tracks, and then uh, Michael was like, well, Zach, we'll just send you ours, and then you just have to recreate the show and then edit it together. What I, I think that we should... Uh, the, the slow ride has some expertise in this. So I think what we should do is send our two tracks to little guy and him knowing nothing about what we were discussing. He should just fill in the third track. <laughs> he could. Oh, wait, no, he couldn't fill in the Minnesota, Minnesota state cyclocross championships because he didn't go. All right, so let's let's do let's do the nook, Michael. I, to start it off, I got a question for you. We've talked, you know, all year. We've talked about the bulletin bump, and you know that's been related to the uh, the printed version thereof. Uh, but we have a, we have an Instagram account. We've been uh, trying to keep up with it. You know, doing some stuff over there. CX Hairs Bulletin on the Instagram. If you don't follow it yet, and uh, we had a rider uh, did did pretty well. Just kind of uh, had some really nice results in the New England races. Uh, Anna McGailey. Uh, we gave her a shout out on Thursday or so uh, for she finished third both days at the really rad festival of cyclocross. Uh, and spoiler on Saturday, she won. So, Michael, my question, does this is this fall within the purview of the bulletin bump? It most certainly does fall in that purview, Zach. Yeah. Magali, as I learned, um, her friend. Um, Nadine even said in an email, you got, I mean, like talk about like having like a hype person in your corner, your friend who knows if you win a bike race, you're going to get mentioned on the podcast preemptively emails the show to be like, make sure you pronounce her name correctly. So shout out to uh, Nadine. Uh, but the, the, the bump is real. I feel like, I feel like she's going to get an additional bump from this segment. The, uh, she going to Pan Am's. Ah, so it's the uh, the media pit bump. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I like it. Uh, yeah, it was. We get this email and it just says pronunciation guide 
on the title. It's like, oh boy, oh, which European name did we say wrong this time? Uh, but it was even better. It was uh, just someone looking out for uh, some of the domestic folks. Uh, so that was, uh, we appreciate it. It was good to see. And, you know, we always want to get riders' names correctly. Uh, my understanding is she's from, from Idaho. Would she be the best cyclocross racer to come out of Idaho? Uh, is, is, is Alan Schroeder from, uh, Idaho? I, you know, he lives in Boise. I don't know if he, Boise, Boise. I don't know if he's from there. Um, but, uh, yeah, Lizzie Gonzalez finished second and, uh, Erica Zavetta took third. So, uh, Michael, we've got an important count that we've been doing. Uh, would Anna McGailey be what number? I think is she, what number is she for? American women who have run cyclocross races this year. Well, we have now, um, let me double check my stats here. Do, 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 do. We have now filled out a podium. If you count just day one, uh, of the American women who have won UCI races this year. Uh, Michael, you went to, uh, you went to the vlog, you went to the, the YouTubes, uh, hit us. What, what went down in the men's race on day one? Um, looks like, you know, guy who's uh, trying to defend his national championship jersey, Gage, just had the stuff. Sounds like the course is a little bit wide, more wide open, a little more flowy. And uh, I was watching Kerry Warner's race reports and his vlog, lots of content on his YouTube channel. And it sounds like just Gage was feeling good that day and uh, just kind of rode away from from Kerry. I think part of the story here uh, is just with this event is the weather conditions, uh, in 2017, pretty, pretty memorable blizzard. Uh, I remember, you know, uh, Carrie, Carrie Werner's my favorite kit uh, item. The moon pants, uh, were out in force that year in the snow. Uh, the next year, the snow was so bad. They canceled Sunday's race. Uh, we actually had a race cancellation due to snow. Uh, and then last year it was pretty wet, uh, pretty muddy and stuff. And this year it was pretty dry. So much drier and faster. And so I think I heard some of the riders talking about how they had never seen the course in these conditions, uh, you know, because they've only known it uh, under like a foot of snow in recent years. So I think that's uh, that's part of the story there, too, for that race. Uh, the other story, I guess the other story for this this race is, you know, Kerry Werner from Pennsylvania, but he went to school in, in North Carolina and he was living there for the longest time before moving uh, up the Blue Ridge Parkway to Roanoke. But uh, then CGP had kind of been like a little bit of a home race for him. Uh, he swept in, I think, 2017. He won the one race in 18 and swept in 2019. So he had a, a five-race winning streak coming in that was snapped here. Uh, and then, uh, you know, contrast that with Curtis White, who, although he lives in New York, uh, NoHo has kind of been his home race, and he's now won it eight times in a row. So I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what that means for nationals. Probably nothing. Uh, but, you know, Kerry was unable to continue his winning streak while Curtis was continuing his winning streak at his home race, which I'm sure will be totally applicable to nationals in Chicago. Uh, so day two uh, for the women. Uh, day one, Hannah Aaronsman, she's another local, uh, lives in Brevard, went to Brevard College. She was, I think she crashed, slipped out in some of those un- unseasonable, slick, dusty conditions uh, but she kind of bounced back on day two and put in a really good effort and took the win. Uh, Lizzie Gonzalez finished second and Anna McGailey again on the podium uh, in third. I think the other thing that stands out uh, is we did have a Canadian uh, on the wide angle podium, Ava Holmgren. Uh, she's 16. 
have a feeling that uh, we'll be seeing that name again. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, she may have a twin sister because there's an Isabella Holmgren who's also 16, uh, and they have uh, Gunnar Holmgren. I believe they're older brothers. So the Holmgrens are a name I'm sure that we'll be hearing more of out of uh, Canada in the years to come. Oh, here we go. Yeah, Isabella finished 13th. So uh, if they're both 16, let's do a quick check. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. Both born on May 22nd, uh, 2005. So we've got we've got another another put twins in the the twin corner, and uh, some of those young Canadians who I'm sure will be itching to to win races and again deny American women their spots on the podium. One other shout out from that one is uh, Sammy Runnels was back racing. She's kind of taken the year off. She had a big crit season. I'm sure Michael you saw her around a bit uh, racing for the Savannah College of Art and Design, which you might think. She goes to school in Savannah, Georgia. She doesn't. She goes to school in Atlanta. Uh, go figure. I think they have campuses in different places. Uh, but anyway, it was good to see her back uh, racing one of the local races. She's focusing on uh, finishing her degree um, in design. So good to see. Good to see Sam back. I mean, she's been on the world's team before, and uh, you know, was always repping. Uh, was a, a good representative of the Squid Squad for for so many years. I just want to say shout out to Sammy too, because some of the first footage I saw from North Carolina was on her Instagram stories. And she actually got a good angle of that uh, two up sprint between Carrie and Scott. And I was like, I, you couldn't see who won. And I sent her a message like who won, you know, like, so I like that uh, Sammy's out there racing cross and getting the content for us. And, and one, one last, one last note. Zach about about SCAD and and their their campuses. Yes, they do have one in Atlanta and also Savannah. Where do you think the third SCAD Ooh. campus is? So you said Savannah, Atlanta, mm-hmm. Columbia. Good guess. Good guess. I mean, the only other city I know in Georgia is Athens, so that's what I'm going to have to. Ooh, guess. also really good guess. Really good guess. No, it's in La Costa, France. What? Oh. Okay. I was going to say Detroit. You know, <laughs> S-C-A-D, SCAD. Like, that's, yeah, you know. The school. Okay. Of All right. Oh, and, and before before we get into the men's race, also, before we just completely, you know, leave day one behind, if we're doing shout-outs, Cody Cup, third place uh, on the day, second, second podium of the year. So one of our underdog favorites from – Seasons past, kind of, kind of making a run now. He's he's been up up in the, you know the the the. Well, yeah, the smaller C two events. I think he did well in India and now also up up in uh, North Carolina as well. So good job, Cody Cupcake. I mean, if we're gonna do, you know, if we're talking about riders, uh, I don't know, like not the traditional top riders. I mean, day two, all about a ringer. The ultimate ringer. Like, could you, guys, could you ringer better than Scott McGill has ringered for cyclocross this year? Is that feasible, given his, what he's accomplished as someone that we were all literally like, who is this guy? Well, I just, just think, think where it all started. It started with the road shoes, right? Racing cyclocross (laughs) in the road shoes. I think, was that a Rochester or Charm City? I can't remember. Wasn't that a go-cross? Was it go-cross? Okay. I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's what he yeah. Yeah. And so 
while we're on Scotty McGill, Zach, to answer your question, the only way he could ring her more was to actually win a race, but he pretty, came pretty damn close on Tuesday. Let's uh, give a shout-out to our fellow Wide Angle Podium member, Rob Kelly, who has an interview with Scott McGill, and he talks about his um, decision to race cross. is really just kind of spur of the moment. Why not? Uh, has a kind of sort of laissez-faire attitude towards just going after it. So uh, go go check out that podcast. I think we were really burying the lead here with this sprint finish, though. Bill, you've been involved. I mean, you've been involved in a lot of controversies <laughs> over the years. Uh, but, I, you know, we saw photos. Our guy, Dan Brock, had a good photo, you know, that we were able to share on the Bulletin Instagram page. And it was all about the drops versus the tops. Tops over drops, baby. That's where it's at. Always. Always been on that train. Forever. And ever, <laughs> forever and don't, ever, don't. <laughs> all the don't time. Go back and listen. To, don't go back and listen to the last night's tapes. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched. So you probably all know this, but uh, Carrie Warner has a vlog, and he also does race re- race recaps as well. I watched all that content. Got caught up. Um, what's amazing about this sprint is that. Carrie comes from behind, actually, in the tops, and bare. And I guess what happened is Scott comes out of his pedal, and you see it once. I you know that you see the video, you see him kind of stop pedaling. Carrie goes by, but then they collide after the finish line. Um, but you know, Carrie being the consummate cross mountain bike pro keeps it steady. Doesn't freak out. Also, Scott's crit racer, so he's used to rubbing and racing. Um, but that's just a little little extra behind-the-scenes stuff. Go check out Carrie's vlogs and race crew craps. Actually, it's race recap is for uh, day two is just really well done. That's just good stuff all around. Yeah, one, one thing, you would keep bringing up the, the crit racing with Miguel and also Heck, both racing for that same A-Volo team, you know, for their final races in that, in that kit coming up. Uh, the, the same thing that I think we all loved about seeing them on the crit circuit was that that team just, as you, as you were saying, Michael, you know, just laissez faire and just send it at any chance. Like if there was going to be a breakaway, if there was going to be like some disruption on, on the crit circuit this year, on the men's side, most likely a Volo was the, 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 the ones doing that work. And same thing out here. I mean, they made it, it just like they made races fun there. The, both those guys were making races really fun uh, for for cyclocross as well. So we need more. We need more yeah. roadies. We need more roadies who are who are willing to just uh, go on the go on the heat check uh, breakaway. <laughs> so did so Kenny Carey. Sorry, Carey Warner's. Uh, he got first. He um he didn't he didn't get second. You he well he did like I mean what number was it like his seventeenth second place finish on Saturday which I'm sure he's just very happy that we're reminding him of uh you know the thing that I like about this this finish is I think this just I it's been like this crazy two months but like for it, it's it finished in a way how it started but for Carrie things were kind of reversed right so on day one of Go Cross. He's the first one to the pavement. He gets pipped at the end by Curtis and loses the sprint. This time, he's second to the pavement, beats Scott McGill in the sprint. So Kerry just kind of bookending his season 
you know, with mirror image uh, finishes, albeit against different dudes. So I don't know. I like that aspect of it. It's just like everything's coming full circle uh, to close out the domestic season. And he won a bunch of stuff on Sunday, too, right? Uh, yes. P- yeah, please he explain. Won. He won the race. He won... Bill, what's the name of the series? It, Do you know the name of the series? Yes, it's the Go Cross NCGP series. No, I think there's a cup in there. There's a cup. And it's the yeah. G-O-C-X-NCGP cup. So, I do Bill, do you speak in abbreviations? You probably do, because you're a lawyer guy. You probably just see those abbreviations and you... Or, you, you, you know, if it's abbreviated, you're just like, no, this is, we'll just do the full thing. Well, it was a first instance. So you, got, <laughs> so you got to spell it all out. Yeah, you got to spell it out yeah. first uh, time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, fellow, fellow time-based series promoter there. Um, but then he also won the Pro CX. What, so, what does that mean? How do you win a, how do you win a calendar? <laughs> you show up the most and you get like seven second places and a couple wins or one to win the yes two wins to win a ca- yeah to win a calendar yep that's how you win it you yeah i mean how, how do you a calendar is a list of days how do you win the days you live them all i i, I didn't know there. i didn't know a calendar was a competition <laughs> well bill guess what the top 90 in the pro cx qualify for nationals so so it's not it's a, a calendar, calendar but it's also a, it's qualification system that's what it is Nationals, qualif- national qualifiers. That's what Pro CX is. Uh, but Carolina Manny, <laughs> sorry to steal your joke, Bill. Can't go. She won the women's race. What about second place? She Can she go? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. The way you're saying that. That'll be Magalie Rochette. So it's a calendar that is the qualifier. That'll that is uh, Vincent Bastains. He did well in the calendar. Yeah, what's Vinny so doing he, next a uh, couple so of weekends he, from does, now? Does he qualify for U.S. Nationals? Well, considering he's looking for a contract next year, I'm thinking Vinny, Vinny Bay Staines um, should try to become an American citizen and uh, race here in the States. Oh, he doesn't need to become an American. He can, uh, he can just do like, I mean, there's been other guys who've who've done that before. I mean, we've got... I mean, Carolyn, other guys, no, Carolyn Money and uh, Kedrian Nash are doing it. Oh, you wanted to race nationals. Nationals. Yeah. It's a nationals qualifier, though. Yeah. He qualified yeah. for nationals. <laughs> Ghost, Ghost of Vandermeer can come back. He's qualified for nationals. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, All right. So, guys, we. So, we did, uh, we did our North American Nook. Uh, you know, we have the the news broke that our friends from uh, Canada will not be racing their national championships this coming weekend uh, because of all the the flooding and centered in British Columbia where the race was supposed to be. I think they're rescheduling for January. Uh, so we're at the end of the regular season and we go into a very intense two week postseason uh, where it's supposed to be uh, at the again at the end of this the season. It's just how sports are supposed to work. So. Uh, I don't know. I'm excited. I think I'm assuming we'll be doing a, a preview episode for Pan Am's coming up. We got Pan Am's in Dallas on the 4th of December and then U.S. Nationals on the 12th. All right, let's uh, let's get in a plane. Let's head over to Europe. We had two races this weekend. We had uh, a super prestige 
uh, Merck's Blast on Saturday, and then we had World Cup Kokosida on Sunday. It was back. Uh, you know, with the Super Prestige, I think we have more riders who are targeting that series, so we don't necessarily have the uh, the Atheist Cross situation. Although, you know, also, even though uh, Kokosida is kind of on the western part of Belgium, it's still probably at most a two- or three-hour drive for most riders. So I don't think we're dealing with, like, the 10-hour uh, trek uh, that riders had to contemplate uh, to go to Tabor. Uh, so to start off with the elite women's race, uh, you know, Michael was talking about deja vu, but I think uh, rum- there's rumblings uh, in the the notes section that I was going to not have the support that I wanted here. So uh, at the start of this race, uh, Strawberry Cross, that's what it was. So this was this race moved last year. So we saw this last year. Uh, you know, I think we remember they have like that. Like it's the stairway to, it's almost the stairway to nowhere. It's a stairway just to come right back down uh, was one of the features on the course. Uh, but it kind of starts and it narrows up super quickly. So it goes kind of into the woods and it's twisty and upsy and downy. Uh, and, uh, you know, after after Bill, you know, on the last episode indicated that we don't necessarily see duchies off the front anymore, uh, he willed this into existence because Lucinda Brand, she started fast. She was on the front. She got into that section first. And uh, Primetime uh, kind of botched things up. She couldn't get up a hill. She was trying to kick push her way over. And uh, Brand got a gap and didn't look back. It was uh, worse. Like, worse was with her, too, right? It was just... Uh, uh, it was Van It was Van Who was Van Who Who was the... Which, uh, which seven pulled out of their pedal at the start? Ooh. I don't was that know. also... It might have also been Van Dehyde. It was in the middle. It wasn't on the far... Our left. I don't know. But, which which uh, seven is Van Der Heiden, Bill? <laughs> middle seven? I don't know. <laughs> Um, Van, so, Van Alphen is the far right seven. <laughs> so my question, I, you know, I've been looking at courses. I, I don't necessarily like features that, that can produce this kind of situation where, you know, you can really get one person who just bodges things up and sends someone off the front. I mean, do you guys feel that, you know, maybe this section should have been later in the course, given what happened in this elite women's race? But, but can't this happen Anywhere? I mean, it, Michael, we can go right to Sane Watch. Where did that happen? Wait, where? Wait, Sana snapped she, her chain. Yeah, in the start grid. Yeah, like she didn't even that, she didn't even make it was? out. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying that okay, it's like yeah. anybody, you know, any anywhere in there, there can be a snafu that can hold it up. I don't know. I, I see what you're saying. If if you you came through that corner and it was it was a low line, it was on you know the right their right side of the course. It was, it was a pretty tricky little up and over and around a turn. And uh, Lucinda did it great. The uh, other seven did it great. And then, yeah, I mean, Alvarado went foot down and that, that opened up a, a three-second gap right from the from the go. And just to, to build on what you were saying before about how I was joking last week that that's not, or just making the point that that's not how the Dutchies race anymore – all they all got together and and somehow somehow Puck Peterson has offended the Dutch contingent and they were like oh well she was the one that we chased down last <laughs> week and didn't allow this you know this detente that we had had in previous years to happen 
She's not racing. So let's just even, you know, pour some more salt into those wounds. And this race, we'll just do a throwback race, send Lucinda off the front and then just, you know, let her, let her go with it. But yeah, it was over early. I mean, it was just, it wasn't even a race. Yeah. Brand to her credit, I think she recognized it. I'm sure that she went in with that game plan and I kind of understood because you saw, you know, there were two sections. There was the the tight one that they all kind of rode, but you saw where <laughs> when it came to the first drop and then it comes back going up, there were like 12 riders that just like did that mob. They mobbed, but Lucinda was, just, you know, she was through clearly with Inga on her, her wheel. Uh, but, you know, to her credit, she looked back, she recognized it and she put in that timely attack and she got a gap. Um, I was just kind of watching at the sand section that she was extending her lead every lap. Like you would see the the chasers. And so I think after a couple laps, it was clear that it was the right play. Uh, and she she got a win. I mean, I was excited because, you know, I think uh, for me personally, looking back at the Euros race, I said that, you know, not a statement race, but could be a post hoc statement race if Brand goes on to win like her next five or six races. Uh, and I think four is coming up on, I, you know, I decided if she win Coke Sida, we would definitely have a post hoc statement race from Euros. Uh, so, you know, she checked that box for me, which I was pretty excited about, uh, you know, just from uh, the narrative standpoint. I got to say that just to go back to your original point, Zach, it is called a whole shot for a reason. And that is the whole point of starting hard. Um, I, I yeah, I, I think it was fine. I think it was that you. That's what happens. That's the luck of the draw. Uh, get behind Alvarado. Usually a good wheel to be behind on a technical feature. Not that time. Gambled wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I and I I don't know if it was the spot I was thinking about the men's race. I just don't. I don't like seeing situations in the first lap of races where riders are literally standing with your bike. Like I just. I don't well, necessarily like that. Uh, and so that's just my... I feel like that was... was that, I feel like was that, that was... Was that a Coke Sida? I, I distinctly remember, like, Tone Arts even, like, literally standing with his bike. And I don't know if it was this situation or if it was a different race, but I just don't... You're racing. You're not there. You're not standing. And I just don't like features that bodge things up that quickly where you're... I'm okay if it like if there's a pinch point, but it's taped wide where there's a bigger white. But this was just taped so close that there was one line, one choice, and I just don't like I don't like seeing riders stand. I was gonna say that the first like my first time watching cross races, like it, it was there was always a point in the race where they just stop and they're just standing there, and that would to me was like oh that's what European cross is if you're in the scrub zone in the back. If you don't make the first 10 riders, you are standing at this feature and getting off your bike. So I guess I guess I just sort of thought that is just what cross. Oh, I'm okay with it for the scrub zone, but when there's riders who are like competing for the top ten who are standing with their bikes, like that to me is a little unfair. Like, oh hey, they're going way off the front and you're standing still. Sorry. I d I just not so, a fan. So so in, in support of your argument, Zach, would be something like Namor. At, at the end of the Citadel start. And then they have usually that wooden ramp that goes up that top 10, top 15, top 20. Usually if everybody is with the correct pace is riding up it. And then the pace just gets slower and slower to the point that the people at the back are often running up that and pretty much game over. Yeah, I think so. I, sorry, scrub zone finishers, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's a good point. But you also you have more chance on that climb. I think it's a little bit more 
more open. So I, you know, I haven't really fully developed this theory. And obviously, to be honest, I don't think this was the most egregious instance of it, but just definitely uh, a point of conversation, I guess. Um, the other story really was uh, Amory Worst. You know, she she was the best of the rest, finishing in second place, and Denise Betsima getting on the podium with Yara Castellan. I think finishing fourth. There was a group of three, uh, and you know, Worst looking looking good. I think that started kind of ringing those those bells about uh, Worst being back with this kind of meteoric rise to to fitness and and form. So good to see her. Uh, picking up that uh, second place finish for the uh, for the women's race. Before we head on to the men's race, uh, the the one I guess I guess the thing I'm keeping my eye on is first non Dutch of of the of the race. So for the women's side, uh, for this, well, I I, I guess the, the big thing was we didn't have Blanca Vosch there, so she had she had been mixing up the. Uh, the, the mixing higher up into the Dutch um, contingent. This race, however, top eight, all Dutch, and then Anna Kay coming in uh, in ninth place. So Anna Kay with the with the honors of first non-Dutch Reiner. All right, Michael, let's uh let's get over to the men's. So yeah, the men's race, which was more sort of was even more interesting after the fact when you watch Coke side and some of the stuff that happened in that race. Um, I it wrote my notes like lap eight, lap eight was, was, was the lap to watch. And um, I just, you know, we've seen, especially last year, there's, we had a whole, a whole bunch of debate and we enjoyed talking about sort of the teamwork on the sauces and, and sort of who was, who was doing what and who was the real leader on the team? I think I think this year it's um it's pretty congealed that, that uh, Ellie is the leader. Um and we saw it multiple times where our buddy Lawrence, who I've now learned is a twin and has a third brother, um was the company man in. He really was just putting in the work for Ellie. And they were they were working old tune arts like a speed bag. I mean, they like they literally came through that little cobbled straight, and uh, Ellie flicks flicks Sweek through, and Sweek's like, "Okay, boss, attacks next lap." Same exact thing, and Tone just out there once again. Tone all by himself. So I ask you guys this, Bill, Zach, where is your king? Well, I think that w- one thing that we have to note with this is that, you know, being being the good company man, it, uh, Lawrence woke up on the morning of the race, checked his phone. There was an Outlook notice uh, informing him that Michael Van Tornout was out of the office on business for that day, wouldn't be at the race. And at that point, Lawrence Sweck knew, OK, I got to step up. You know, Van Tornout's not here. Um, I'm his backup. You know, if, if people have things that come up during the day, they come to me if he's not around because he's he's out for the day. So it was playing his role. That's what he had to do. He had to get in there and, uh, you know, Ailey's, Ailey's the team leader. He's, he, he got out the uh, got out the, the whiteboard and erased uh, Van Tornout's name and put uh, put Sweck in there for the day. And, and, and the and guy came through. He did his work. And who else did he put in there, Zach, on the whiteboard? 
Yeah, so I, I I mean, one, I just have to say that I love this narrative of company man, Lawrence Swack. I feel like if this continues to develop, I think this definitely will be the latest entry in the sauce dramedy uh, kind of series that we've had at the Bulletin. But I mean, you know, the, we, we left... We left last season where we literally were like, they were talking about Sweck leaving, buying out his contract and yeah. leaving the sauces. Yeah. I mean, he was gone. We were trying to free Lauren Sweck and now Sweck's just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm company man. I, I It's just a bizarre turn. I mean, it's 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 interesting. It, it just is unexpected. If you told me that he would be company man Lauren Sweck after where we left in February of 2021, I would have told you you were crazy. Wouldn't have believed it. No. Uh, but yeah. so my takeaway from this is I, I loved the sauce tactics. And I think, Michael, you, you kind of nailed l- the role that Lawrence played. But we had a third player uh, in there earlier, which is, I think, something that we've been looking for is Ryan Camp. Uh, you know, I, I kind of look back at uh, the Cannondale squad of 2019 and you had, you know, Curtis and Kerry were kind of battling it out. But you had Stephen Hyde in the mix. And then you had Lane Maher just throwing hay- haymakers early on in the races. So poor Kenny had to fend off three Cannondale riders if he wanted to win races. Uh, you know, and I think we looked at Ryan Camp and we're like, well, here's a guy who's really strong. You know, he's probably the best U23 rider. Uh, if he doesn't slip on a stair, he should win Worlds this year, most most likely. Uh, he just, he goes off hot. He's a start. He throws the first haymaker. So he just softens them up. Uh, you know, at the beginning. And I would love to see more of that. You know, I mean, it'd be nice if we had the poor man's Ryan Camp, Pim Ronhar, or uh, our guy Tebow also, you know, doing that for the Lions. But, you know, I think the sauces are that much tougher to beat when you have Camp in the mix, uh, kind of throwing those early haymakers. So I had, you know, if I had more time on Saturday, um, I was going to write about it. But I just I loved the sauce tactics. I thought they played the tactics brilliantly uh, throughout the race. Uh, but Michael, we also had we had a dangler, uh, a langler. I uh... right, yeah. This, this is the you you guys are you shirked my question. You ducked my question. Where's your Where's your champion now? Where's your king, <laughs> Lars? The Hangler. Hey, look, I said he was having Vandahar. a November to remember. I was just savoring every moment. I was not making any predictive, like, you know, like like Van Turnouts, it appears that a men's November to remember lasts exactly two weekends, right? We saw Van Turnout. <laughs> he had his two weekends last year. Our man Lars got it, but he's got the jersey. He's got the jersey, uh, you know. But man, he was... Have you? I've not seen someone dangle that hard this season. We were questioning who the leader of the Lions is last week. And, you know, we were talking about Lauren Sweck being being the company man. You know, he was gone, and now he's back. He is the Kendall Roy of the sauces. <laughs> who Who's Logan in this case? <laughs> I'm going to have to hash this all out, but he's there, believe me. Uh, to, to, to finish my thought is that Lars Vanderhaar was like, Hey tone, I know I've been stealing the limelight here. I know. So look, you got to get back on the horse. You're, you're our born leader. Get out there and, and go after it. Go mix it up with Ailey. Let's, let's, let's get this, let's get this rumble started. So that's, you know, that's what he's doing. He was just supporting him. He's being a good teammate. 
So speaking of Rumble, I, I wanted to foreshadow a little bit um, in the Coke side. It was that in lap eight was where the, a lot of the action went down. Um, Ellie, I think we've talked about this before. Don't, doesn't go out as hard as he used to, maybe, maybe last year. Kind of sits in a little bit. Uh, lets his teammates do the work. Uh, can't, speaking of Ryan Camp, Euro champion, he, he, went, he went so hard in the beginning of the race, he DNF'd. Um, so Ellie, Ellie attacks finally. He's worked the speed bag enough. He's ready to drop Tone. Crashes, goes down. Tone catches up, goes around him. Ellie is back up. He's okay. No mechanicals. Gets going. He's, he's, he's raring to go. Wants to get around Tone. Takes this kind of really cheeky inside pass where Tone has to kind of check up and uh, kind of shakes his head. And then that's it. Ellie's off and, and he wins the race. But um, I don't know. There's just kind of a sneaky little move. And uh, Tone, uh, Tone had uh, some chin music for him the next day at Coke Sada. He had some chin music right there. That wasn't, that wasn't only just uh, shaking his head. He, he tried to throw a little bow in there as well. May, may, may not have connected as much as he wanted to. But there was, you know, he was pushing him out of well, the way. It was... It's over his over Ellie's head. His his elbows are. <laughs> well, so the funny high. thing is, like he threw that he threw that bow, and then Ailey dropped him, and then I think in his head he was kind of reenacting that, and he just started like flicking that elbow over too, and uh, <laughs> Quentin Hermans was behind him going, "What do you want me to do, big man? What's going on here?" <laughs> <laughs> Until until finally it was like okay offer accepted and then they just kind of dusted a stone. So let's just go, let's let's go to Coke side. I think you know the women's race is the one we want to finish with. Let's talk about the men folk. Uh, one thing that played a role in this was the weather. So the women, I mean, it was it was a typical you know it was damp. Um, the sand was pretty fluffy, but between the women's and the men's race, it started to to legit rain. The sand packed up. Uh, but the kind of muddy sections, the grassy sections got pretty slick. Um, I kind of wonder, you know, you look at like, say, Waterloo, right? So the uh, the women race first, they get a nice course, things go well, and then the weather turns for the men, and it was clearly not better. <laughs> you did not want to race in the conditions that the men raced in at World Cup Waterloo. Um, but with the way the sand packed up, I mean, we'll talk in a sec about the slick grass sections, but I kind of want the women are a little jealous after the just sheer amount of running that they had to do through that fluffy sand. It's like, oh, can we can we've had that nice hard pack? That would have been that would have been nice. Um, but anyway, I, it, I we got argy bargy from the beginning. Uh, we had. We had Gategate at Jingle Cross a few years ago with Johnny Vermeersh when he he gated one of his fellow competitors. What are we what are we calling this? Have we have we figured that out uh, since last night? Well, I, I think that you know I came in here thinking that uh, just sections of gate were missing, and and that's what caused everybody's sight lines to go all haywire. And you know, uh, this was two minutes into the race, Vanderhaar runs over the the foot of a barrier and again and you know um i I know adam myerson's ears are tingling when i say this there should not be these barriers in bike racing with the the feet that just stick straight out and are not on the ground so it's just it's just so dangerous and vanderhaar went in there pretty much full bore and crashed and then lauren sweck came in like right after him because 
I mean, you're following wheels. You know, they can't really see where the outside is at that point. They're just following wheels and just followed him right into the to the same foot of the uh, barrier. But then just did this like MMA kick with his left foot and just like completely opened up the door, the gate, the barrier swung open. They were all caught watching the paint dry and. My question was, why aren't these things connected? Why do we just have exactly what Johnny Vermeers did in Iowa? Later, we found out there might have been, you know, somebody uh, may have removed some uh, some connective material there. Uh, but what happened here? I, I just it, it's it's rare that we see these things in European racing where the the course design is is flawed in that sense. And I think that uh, the the whole result of that was this was maybe the beginning of the end for Lars. I mean, he did get back into the race, but I think he definitely burned a couple matches, closing closing that gap back down. And then and then maybe, Zach, maybe he's playing the Ryan Camp position for Tone Arts after that. Yeah, so I think one thing that was really interesting is we, we've just waited. We've, uh, we've wanted the Lions to have two riders. Just, just once, just once. Uh, you know, to to see what they can do. And we finally, after all this time, had this really disjointed start. Um, everyone was really close together, but there were definitely kind of like these fractured groups. And so uh, Swack was dealing with his issues. Uh, but Vanderhaar was back at the front. So you had Vanderhaar and Tone and Quinton versus Ailey. It's like, oh man, the Lions have it. And to their credit, like Lars attacks. So like Lars, you know, puts in a dig at the start of this. It was either the second or third lap. Like Lars attacks. Um, That's my favorite Tim Burton movie, by the way. (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) Pretty sure that's been a pun of mine. (laughs) Um, So they're, you know, they're they're working them over. Uh, It didn't work, but we had at one point that uh, Ailey was kind of trying to come around Tone and Tone just kind of like rode his line and kind of like gave a little bit of the... A little bit of chin music to Ailey. It got a little argy-bargy. And then in the sand, somehow like Lars's rear wheel got stuck with Ailey's rear derailleur or something. So he was like trying to like bike argy-bargy him. Um, it didn't work. You know, spoiler alert, like, you know, Lawrence was able to kind of bridge back up. But we for one glorious lap, we had the Lions working over... Ailey, and I want to see more of this. You know, if they get in the situation, I want to see more of this argy bargy stuff that we're talking about. I want to see, I want to see this rivalry get a little bit more heated. I want to see a little bit more of you know Celtics versus the Bad Boys Pistons uh, out of this rivalry. It is uh, just as a quick aside here: is Ailey still running the huge ceramic speed uh, rear derailleur? I would assume so. I have photos somewhere, but I would assume that he okay. is. Um, yeah, that thing that's like a thirty-six tooth cock. <laughs> yeah, the pull, the jockey. Yeah, yes, I, I, I'm I'm blaming that. Okay, I haven't seen anything out there, but if somebody just wants to start a whole whole of blue over, that was the cause of that whole mess. Um, but yeah, Bill, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like there's the potential then to kind of have this, you know, maybe even spill over into like world selections and and how things go. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think it's 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 the type of thing that we have seen in the past. You know, you're talking about all, all the Belgians at the front, 
Yeah, and it, with Lars again being being the dangler here after this race sort of shook out some, and he was never really able to make it back up to that front group. But you really have supremacy. We're fighting for supremacy for uh, th- that Belgian team. And and in years past, even at Coke Sida when Worlds was there, you had Niels Albert, and it was Niels Albert and eight other Belgians. And I think they may have had a plan going into Worlds about who the leader was. Niels obviously thought it was him. And I don't think the other eight guys agreed. And they're all there like the front of the race. I mean, they're they're like the Italians in breaking away. Like no one else is around. You know, Danny's already gotten the 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 frame pump through the through the wheel. And and they're basically fighting about who's going to win this. And Niels is shouting at everybody and then goes off and wins that. And since that, we haven't been able to see that drama because we've either had Wout off the front and nobody's even near him, or we've had Vanderpool or the two of them battling it out. And everybody else is just back there watching. Um, except for that one poor time at, uh, um, Zolder where, where Vanderhaar thought he was going to win worlds. Uh, but this is good. And I was like really excited about this when we first recorded this episode last night. And then in the interim, Vanderpool has decided that he's going to race worlds. Supposedly it's on his calendar. So he can win his calendar, I guess, Michael is what I'm saying. And, and, <laughs> and he will, and he is going to race world. So maybe all of this that I was getting really excited about sort of this inner fighting between the Belgians, cause they're all like so close, uh, may not, may not even matter anymore. Yeah. So one thing that I, you know, was interesting about this race is we saw, uh, Neil where tone just could not ride that sand. It had the U-turn. He blew his chance. Like he had a shot. He blew it in the sand. No doubt. Not a good trip to the beach for him. Uh, but on Saturday at Merck's boss and especially on Sunday, I mean, tone was riding the sand really, really well. I mean, there was that one section, we kind of call it the first dune where Ailey has a little bit of a gap and tone just closes the gap and he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go around you. Uh, you know, I'm going to pass around you. Um, and so for most of the race, he was riding it really well, but ultimately it just, it came down to tone and Ailey. Uh, but the, there was this one section that Ailey was riding better and it actually proved to kind of be a little bit more decisive than tone riding that first dune. And so, you know, Bill, I know you've seen a lot of Coke Sidas uh, over the days. You know, I've actually had several during my time watching Cancel. The first one was the the wind year, the famed Wout figure eight year that everyone was posting on social. That was the first time I was supposed to watch Coke Sida. Um, so it seems like oh, this oh, is something. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on, hang on. More famous moment from that Wout doing figure eights or Michael what? Vanderpool riding 120k home or something with like his that. brother, or maybe like 200k. Yeah. yeah, and just blowing everybody's mind that you could, you can't ride that far during the cyclocross season. That was sort of the the beginning of the end of the paradigms, right? I feel like that was sort of just that was blew everything that was the apart. day that was the day that David and uh, Matthew were like on their phones and they, like looked up and were like, "Where's Dad?" He's like, "He already left." Wait, was there a t- did they have a tailwind though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope they had a tailwind. I hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, it seems like uh, Bill kind of at the end, Ailey was able to to kind of ride like one of the key sections just a little bit better than Tone, despite Tone's general supremacy kind of in the sand throughout the race. That was the cool thing about Cokeside. Always the cool thing about Cokeside is that it it it's not like, I really like the, like the sand section that we saw at Merck's 
floss the the day before is cool. It's it's a really nice sand section. It's the type of thing you have to go in there with speed. You have to have some skill. If you get screw it up, you're gonna you're gonna be running. But Cokeside is all sand. I mean, it is the it, it is the it's Dune Cross, and you have to be good at different kinds of sand riding. And that's the, that's the thing that I loved about this race is that Ailey was really strong on some sections of the sand. And then tone was, was stronger on more sections of it, but there was, there was that key section, the, the one, I mean, I always remember Vanderpool riding away on where you come sort of descent 180, and then you shoot up this, uh, this sand section that goes off to the left and Ailey just had that nailed and he had it nailed. I think Michael on that lap eight that you were talking about and, and was able to get a really nice gap there where everybody else had to get off and run. And then as soon as they get to the top tone, just like shuts down a two or three second gap in, in no time at all. And it's like right back on his wheel. And it's just, that's the kind of, that's kind of the give and take that I, that I love on that, on that track, just that you're able to, to see these different strengths come together, you know, and it's all sand. I was, I think, you know, I think the, the race on Saturday sort of kind of showed you who was the strongest between tone and, um, Ellie. And, you know, Ellie was really in the box on Saturday, trying to stay, sorry, sorry. Tone was really in the box trying to stay with, um, Ellie, but yeah, I mean, tone, it was almost like tone was recovering on the sand he was able to sort of like close those gaps and just, and it had ride it so smoothly that he was able to get back up to Ellie. But every time, you know, you put the pedals down for power, Ellie was getting away. And then once you saw tone take a gel, you kind of wondered, um, were his laps numbered and yeah, in fact they were, I mean, yeah, just, but yeah, good, good, good sand riding, um, by tone, but just, just not, didn't, couldn't hold it on long enough yeah now, now that you mention it bill i think you know this race was close much closer than the women's race i mean i think two laps in we had 10 riders or so within like eight seconds of the lead uh but it was still like this super dynamic race in the because of the sand that you know and because then there were the slick mud sections that they were riding like five abreast when there were five guys at the front everyone on their own line no one sitting in um and so you know being a close race it was like really dynamic and you kind of didn't know what was going to happen and it was wasn't a you know it's not a traditional cross race where like oh you get a gap that's really hard to close late in a race like it was just so such a wild card of who's gonna ride what where and made for you know i think super dynamic tactics throughout yeah and we had our our sand specialist and company man lauren sweck doing the work another day with michael v out out again and and getting getting awarded with a with a podium in a world cup you know second second place which is really nice Really nice ride for him. Tone in third. Here, here is my query for you all. We were all hoping that Quentin Hermans was going to have this breakout year, and now in the last couple races, we have all you well mainly you guys have come up with these great alternative nicknames from him for Crash with a Q and everything else. I have one to throw in there, and I know we're getting to Nick name corner coming up but i think quentin hermans for me right now is question hermans because i don't know i don't know if it's for real i love it you don't know which one's showing up either you know 
yeah, no, I, I'm glad that you focused. I, I loved I loved the race that Lawrence uh, rode. Now that you mention it, is he had tone and Q in front of him and they were like they were doing enough work that they were still trying to catch Ailey and he's just like I'm gonna sit in and it was just like inevitable he's just like ah, I'm good like I'm good at this y'all are just killing yourselves you know he pulled like a crit move right like where you're the rider that doesn't have to do the work you know your teammates up the road and you don't have to do any of the work and just sit in there and then like you have enough at the end to kind of get like a good finish and so I thought that he played that one really well um but guys it, we, we talked about Ailey and we talked about how he's racing. Um, I went back and looked, you know, we've talked about kind of the November fade for Ailey and, you know, Michael, to your point, you brought up the point that we had a little bit more Vanderpool and Van Air action, but he has now won more November races this year than he has the last two. Um, but from, and he's won the most races he's of, right. He's won more races this year than he's won in any other season. Um, uh, Right. So maybe this this is but from my perspective, I don't think to me it's been so sneaky good because he's doing it late in the race that if you asked me, I would have said like his year two years ago was better or maybe even like last year that he was more dominant. Um, but looks can be deceiving. So, you know, is he playing? Do, do we feel that maybe he's playing it right in terms of trying to last deeper into, you know, the coming Wout Miss, Vanderpolstis and Pitters Palooza that's coming up? I I think that he needs it, – it's probably best if he has a little time off here coming in. I mean, the, he's going to – you know, if he keeps going like this, he should have enough of a buffer in the World Cup that maybe he could take a weekend off and still be okay at the top. And that will allow him to get that rest going into Worlds. But, Zach, I mean, throwing it back to you, I mean, are you sort of setting setting the groundwork here? We already know your position for the, for the, the American – Jersey, are you going to be are you going to be cheering for Ailey to win this so that we see on the men's side the World Championship stripes actually race from week to week? <laughs> oh, well done. I don't. I mean, I you know, I I I honestly like the idea of Wout somehow winning his fourth this year and tying Vanderpool and then Vanderpool like and then Wout winning it. I. <laughs> I like the prospect of somehow Wout ending up with more world championships than Machu, even though Machu is just clearly better than him. And as the calendar set up this year, it's going to go the, it may go the opposite way. Well, that's right. true. I, I'm still skeptical as to whether or not Wout's going to actually skip worlds. I like, I like that he's leaving it up in the air. Maybe he's looking for us to, to, to beg him uh, to come race worlds. But no, I mean, you make a good point, Bill. And uh, I guess if I'm going to be consistent, I think what you're arguing is, Zach, you should be consistent. So yes, Bill, we should be cheering for Ailey uh, to do it. We should cheer for this to be the year and for him to pull off the monumental upset in Fayetteville and win the jersey. Yeah, I, I, I am very happy to paint you into the corner, but I don't want to be standing for the proposition that consistency is a good thing because I completely disagree with that. I'm all for inconsistency. Should okay. we move on to the women? I, uh, man, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, we, can, we can do that. So, I don't know. I, like I said, I wrote about this uh, over at the Bulletin. I did the thing uh, for that needed to be done. Uh, both the headline and I think I guess I had a lot to say and a lot of history about Amory Worst. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Where do we want to start uh, talking about about this race? I I just actually want to say that y- you did. Uh, it was a great article, a great email 
uh, about Coxetta that you wrote. And everybody should go read it if you haven't, because there's a lot of stuff in there. You set up a lot of context to um, her win, and it was an enjoyable read. And you like got like four or five puns in there, and it, and and I I have to apologize because I I did not read this a few days ago when I tweeted at you that you were embarrassed for saying worst is best because I didn't get to the very bottom of your Substack post where you said you had to do that to sort of like. Because no one else had. So, okay, my, my apologies to you, Zach. And go read Zach's Coxada post. It's no, great. yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. At, at one point, you, you got to take one for the team. If nobody's going to do worst is best or some some play on that, then 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 we have to do it. And and I'm sorry. And and you can yell at us, but and that's fine. But you know, it has to be done. That that <laughs> that box has to be checked. What I will say is that looking at Anne Marie Worst, and obviously. You know, looking back on it, this this mountain biking crash that she had, I think, was a lot worse than any of us really gave 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 it its due for. I mean, she was messed up pretty bad, and it's been a really long comeback for her. But you see her now riding, and it's it's kind of a, a, an Anne Marie worst renaissance, and she looked so good riding in the sand. I mean, just so smooth, so strong. And it was really cool to see. I, I love it. I love that, that, you know, we, we have these, these stars of the sport. I mean, I think that we all kind of first knew her and Zach, you wrote about it back then, but just when, you know, that U23 world championship and Beals that she, she won was really, I think her, cyclocross coming out party and and since then has has lived up to the expectations until that crash and i think it's it's good because sometimes we see these riders who never come back from something like this and she gets to sport that cool uh shoulder pad yeah no i i think that's a good point bill that it's not a given and i think that we've seen you know other athletes who have just not recovered from from injuries you know like that she had. And yeah, I was reading the interview. Uh, she was airlifted out. She actually had to be airlifted out, but it was pretty funny. She was like, yeah, it was pretty cool. I got to look down at the course in the forest and I was being like carried out. So they had to like really jerry rig it, but it was a pretty bad injury and she had to have surgery. Um, and I mean, to her credit, the way she gutted out last year, she came back so quickly and was competing at the front of these races with primetime for the first month and a half of the season. We're like, Oh, Injury couldn't have been that bad. Um, but then we kind of saw the downturn and Michael, you know, that's kind of what I wanted to, I like doing these con contextual things to kind of see and, you know, does our remembrance of her season reflect what actually happened? And I, out of nowhere, I mean, we were, we, we didn't, we didn't overreact to anything about her finishing second at worlds and going into the last lap and, um, just awesome to see her back. So, I mean, it came down to her and Batsuma and it really seemed like worst was just so strong in the sand. Um, you know, they were both riding the same, but like her pace, I guess I described as her pace. Like she was just moving quicker, uh, through the sand. And, you know, I look at the one instance where going into that first dune when things were starting to happen is she's just cr cruising and Betsima is really working, working that barrier action, um, that she's become so good at. And so I guess to me, that's kind of the image that sticks out, you know, and that's where worst was kind of getting her gap in that fourth lap. We kind of saw this from Worst at Neil, where she was the one who was riding in that mud pit where Brand was running, Betsima was crashing. So I think, you know, maybe Worst 
worst her specialty is is she's rides she rides things that other people can't ride i don't know if that means she's a good technical rider or just has the ability to sort of find the line and keep her momentum going but that's just just kind of thinking about how that race played out uh neil and then what she did at coxada yeah got that that mountain biking background for sure and uh behind her then we have that other group you know you you had it was again back coming back from like people who are a little off their game who seems to be back on the upswing uh alvarado looking better you know continuing to kind of be there be in that front group dropped off for sure was fighting it out in that second group which was lucinda brand and herself and and gentleman sharon van anroy who I will remind you, uh, I was told a couple years ago, years, weeks, feels like years uh, ago, that um, she couldn't compete at the front and and that nobody would be uh, really concerned about her. And that's, uh, you know, that's why she was in that U23 race at uh, Euros. And that's that's where she should have been. Well, here's the thing. Puck didn't do well. So we can't have both. We can't have both. Oh, no, it was good. I mean, Sheeran was definitely hearing the cheering early on. I mean, she was the one she was the early aggressor. She had a gap early on. Um, and I don't know if this guy's if this proves uh, you may have heard that she was a triathlete, but there's this other writer, Femme Van Ample. I don't know if you've heard this, uh, but she used to play soccer. Um, and, you know, she kind of finished. What did she end up finishing? She finished six. So she finished just in front of uh, of Puck. And I think we've kind of seen where Puck probably is not the best runner so a little bit surprised maybe seeing triathlons better i guess this is a race where maybe you know if fem ample really wanted to prove me wrong because i've been a little bit uh down on her this year if she wanted to prove me wrong this seemed like a race for her to kind of represent and do what uh sharon did and you know still well back i mean almost two minutes or no a minute and a half i'm sorry a minute and a half off the pace but she never really factored in at the front like uh like sharon did yeah, and I, I, I want to get back to Puck Peters uh, because I think it will be a good segue into our, our next segment if we're if we're able to move on. But but just just to sort of finish up the point with uh Worst and Alvarado and what we were talking about about those, you know, I was joking earlier about the glory days when one Dutchie would go off the front and everybody else would watch. We're kind of back to that group again. And it's 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 really interesting is that we have a lot of these younger Mainly Dutch riders. I mean, throw uh, uh, Blankovash in there, throw Clara Hansinger in, in there, who's shown some promise throughout the year. But when it comes down to it, it's 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 the finger quote old guard uh, that's 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 still still at the front of these races. You know, we're still we're still looking at potentially a worst Betsema brand Alvarado world championship again. Yeah. And that's, those have kind of been the players at the, at the elite level for a while. So it's, it's, it's really interesting that, that, that once again, they have uh, risen to the top and are all seem to be uh, at the top of their games or getting there. Yeah. And we'll also have a good chance. Seems like Mariana Voss will be in there the well, uh, the way she was riding, but we, we got a query from one of our listeners, friend of the show, uh, Becky Phillips. She wanted to know, we've got Voss coming back. We've got Woutmas. We've got the Vanderpolstis. We've got Pitters Palooza. Uh, folks, we need a name uh, for the return of Mariana Voss when she starts her season. I think it's especially apropos this year, the way that she was just so good this year. And, you know, she raced really well early on in the season. Uh, so hit us up on the Twitter machine or CXHairsBulletin at gmail.com. 
um because we need a we need a good one uh, becky had thrown out vosmus but uh i mean as much as we love you becky Va- the miss that's taken that's wild miss like we can't really infringe on on that uh intellectual property so hopefully we'll get one um but yeah we're seeing the kind of the return of the i like it the old guard and i love throwing alvarado in there because she's like 24 years old (laughs) yeah and let's not forget the other voss is going to be racing elite world so we'll have the old guard plus the newish guard and Marianne, Mary, Mariana Vosmus. Mary Vosmus? Mary oh, that Vosmus? actually kind of works. Uh-oh. Anyway, hit us up. <laughs> Bill, before yes. we leave, I, I don't know. This needs maybe a better name than just Top Non Dutchie. Uh, I feel like there's got to be some, <laughs> some sort of thing going on that we can come up with. But who is our Top Non Dutchie in this race? First non-Dutch rider coming in in 10th place, Clara Hansinger. Doing it doing it for the rest of the world. I love it. Uh, so last week, Bill, you posed the question. We need a nickname for Puck Petersa. Michael, you did. Well, that was me. Oh, did you pose the question? This, this is all okay. my bit. This is all my I'm thing. just going to turn it over to you then. Um, all right, last week after Puck Petersa Peter hopped into all of our hearts, I asked the question, I was like, I went on social media, I was like, we need a nickname for Puck. You know, she's she's got a pretty cool, or for, I guess, American audience, it's a pretty interesting first name. Um, so I put it out there on Twitter, put it out on Instagram, and if I would have had my stuff together, I would have just, I would have already power ranked these nicknames. Um, but so these are not in any order. These are just how I wrote them down. Um, so let me just read some of them to y'all and kind of get the get the temperature of the room. And uh, you know, if you guys listeners have any ideas, let us know. Um, all right. So first first nickname, Puck. Yeah, from friend of the show uh, Adam Austin. I like it. It's good. Solid. Solid one there. Uh, CX Hairs Bulletin contributor Dan Brock. I don't know where you come up with this one. Puck Red Bottoms Petersa. I, I don't know. I, I, I was just as baffled as you were. Uh, I was like, miffed. I, I, I was I was so, perplexed. I was not sure where the bottoms. I was bamboozled. <laughs> um. All right. So, fellow network podcasters, Slow Ride Pod. Don't know who responded with this one. I, I have a guess it might be Tim. His answer was hockey. Just the sport. Just call her hockey. We got hockey in the move, attacking out the front. Maybe, possibly. I like it. Um, but related to that one, and from a gentleman, I believe his name is Alan. His, his Twitter handle is backwards. Slapshot. I'm feeling like I like slapshot. It's two words. Ends in hard consonants. I feel like could be, you could... Your supporter club could really get behind slap shot, slap shot. So um, I'm feeling like that's a leader in the arm barn right now. Uh, <laughs> fellow media pitters, the Snowy Mountain Photography uh, gave us a few. They they apparently had more, and I asked for more, but they didn't give them up. Uh, the Incredible Puck, Puck Finn, and Pucky Brewster. A little throwback for uh, some of you geriatric 
millennials. Driftless came through with a Goldie Poof and Showtime. I think we already have a Primetime and Goldie Poof is too much like Yolanda. She she actually played Goldilocks in a video. So I appreciate I, I think that I, I'm pretty sure that's Chris. Uh, and I like Chris. He's a great dude, supporter of everything we do. But dude, my yeah. thing, she's a ginger, okay? Like the the just the, the one thing that is very true. Like it's not a question, it's not a pseudo ginger, it's not a str- she's a ginger. And so Goldie, that makes no that makes no sense. It makes no sense. Yeah. And I mean, I I actually like if if there was not a Sandy Poof, I actually would like Ginger Poof as a, a nickname, but we're not we're not going to be redundant. We're better than that. So Right, right. This is what we're trying to do. We're trying to we're trying to find something that is, you know, good enough for Puck. So we also have Huck Puck from Andy Botcher, uh, Plucky Petersa from Ivan. This one, uh, another throwback to your childhood from Townsend Myers, Petersa Rabbit. I, I like it. I think we think that we want to stick to the Puck. Unless the Petersa, because Puck is the fun part. Sounds like fuck as well. Um, Wait, but couldn't we, I mean, to do that better, wouldn't we just call her Rabbit? Like, I feel like we could just do away, you know, it's it's referential, like, I don't know. Right. I mean, you can tell, like, I, I really liked the that little hockey duo of, of names, if you couldn't tell. I think that was super creative, and I liked it. Um, but we could call it Rabbit, Rabbit's Jump, <gasps> Rabbit's Hop. Bunny, oh, it's all coming together. The bunny rabbit hop. I'd rabbit, you only get one shot with your puck. <laughs> well done. Oh man. I think it should be I think uh, it should be my, I think it should be Rabbitsa. Rabbitsa. Okay. All right. I, I'm liking that one. That one's like top three for me. Um mine was Sandy Puck. And Colin Reuter, he didn't he didn't respond to my 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 Twitter feed, but I, I saw him talking about it. Huck Petersey. So Peterson. So those are those are the top eleven um, that we got. So let us know what you think. I'm I'm really leaning towards Slapshot. Um, but yeah, look forward to hearing what you guys have. I'm also going to second Slapshot. I mean, I think uh, we're going to assume it was Tim. Hockey does a nice job of kind of setting the stage, but it's referential. Uh, I like it. I mean, I think that's what I liked about Primetime as a nickname is that it was not per se a play on her name, but it was this reference that kind of stuck and there was a reason behind it. Uh, so, yeah, I my vote would be for Slapshot among those, but really appreciate all the entries. It was super fun. I only saw a handful of these come in, so it was fun to kind of listen to you read these off and see uh, just the the volume too that we got of nickname suggestions. Peter so the great. Was there also a uh, was there also a, a Peter the like Peter the terrible like Ivan the terrible? Could there be like Peter so the the terrible? Oh, that was great. That was a good job, Michael. Anything else we need to talk about? I did want to. I wanted to kind of touch on the relay. They they announced the relay that's going to happen in Fayetteville, but maybe we could just uh, table that for another another time. But on the on the if you're a, if you subscribe, if you're a paid subscriber to the Slack uh, to our Slack uh, Substack, the CXers Bulletin, then you get an invite to the Slack channel, and there's a great 
thread that's already started on there where people are coming up with their their picks for the relay teams for Worlds. I know that, that people are um, debating the Dutch team. I think the Brits have a really, really good uh, opportunity um, there to have a strong team. So I, I, maybe we should table that until till next week. The only only thing that I will, because it just popped in into my head here, just talking about the the British squad, 16th place at Cokeside, at Cameron Mason. Cameron Mason, Zach and Michael, is from where? He's from Scotland, Bill. Scotland. He's Scottish. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. Will you? Will you do me a favor? And the next time that he does something, will you get the Mike Myers uh, uh, SNL skit and just sort of plug that into to one of the write ups? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, so this weekend we have uh, coming up. We have one of the more unique cyclocross races. It's been a recent addition, uh, Urban Cross Koitrick. And I have to say, I, I'm much more in favor of their bridge section than that ridiculous thing at Ostenda, just because of just how ridiculous Ostenda was. Um, and then on Sunday, we have the home race of Carolyn Mani at World Cup Besançon uh, in France. Um, I asked her how to pronounce it. That little C with the little little wavy with the C with the tail, I guess, makes an S, S sound. Um, so I tried to like clarify that with her. Um, so my closing question, guys, if we were to have a urban cross in America, which city in America would have the best urban cross? Ooh. Well, I, I, I think it's going to be really, really tough to top the Belenke junkyard cross. I mean, there, there's already, there is already <laughs> precedent for, for such a thing, but, um, can we bring that back as I a mean, World Cup or perhaps as a UCI race then? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, I guess you'd probably say, you know, Rainy Park seems like a pretty, pretty urban environment. They got the skyline in the background. Uh, um, Keith Garrison is his race. So almost World Cup. What do you think, Zach? I don't know. I, you know, the one in uh, that was in Philly, right? Was the Junkyard Cross. I believe. Yep. Um, but yeah, I've seen some other ones. I've seen one like uh, some folks did in Milwaukee that was definitely had like the super, it was a kind of a, uh, an underground, you know, through some stuff. Uh, but that is a, that's a good question. I guess I would have to think on it. I mean, obviously New York comes to mind. I mean, they've got central park, um, but you want something I think that can incorporate like a bridge or some sort of, you know, kind of feature like that. So uh, I don't know. I'll think on that one a little bit more. Maybe I'll do that for my power rankings for the weekend preview after I uh, marinate uh, over some turkey on that one. Well, I can tell you that as someone who lives in New Orleans and our streets are just constantly subsiding and falling apart and being torn up and being repaved and sometimes left in a state of the coax out of sand dune for years at a time that you could put on a pretty wicked cross course in any neighborhood in New Orleans. So that's, that that's given my vote guys. I appreciate, uh, I really, the MVPs of this episode are Michael and Bill, uh, because at this point last night I was realizing that nothing recorded and they all just looked at me. Uh, they were very upset and they were kind of like, we don't want to do this again, but they did again. So all kudos to them. No kudos to me. Uh, we did it again guys i i am i am lauren sweck to michael's 
Michael Van Toren out. We're back. That means baby. you're Ailey. I mean, I'm. <laughs> wait a second. I'm not that short, <laughs> but I know I'm short compared to you, Bell. <laughs> Six one. But you're the ginger. All right. I think we did it. We'll see you next week. Hang in there, kid. Crap, I didn't record. <laughs> <laughs>